Hello and welcome back to Danish and Confused. I can't believe we've made it to season two, but here we are. Thank you to my five loyal listeners. Hello, mom. And uh, thank you to everybody who's stuck with me during my journeys to the north. And um, for this episode, first one of season two, I will be traveling or actually I have traveled to Berlin to meet up with this wonderful producer and musician called Petter Elt. Um, if you don't know his music, definitely check him out. We had a lovely talk about lots of stuff, including our musical influences and the importance of sharing music, about uh, tour life, about being a musician during the lockdown and the importance of gear. And then we have a couple of nice tunes for you. So sit back and relax, enjoy the episode and los geht's! Danish and Confused. Hello and welcome to another season of Danish and Confused. Except this time I'm not really Danish and Confused. I guess I'm more German and Confused because I'm in Germany. I'm in Berlin and right on the other side of this studio is Peter Eld. Did I pronounce it right? That sounds good. Peter Eld. Peter Eld. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for joining me in your studio and thanks for hosting me in your studio. <laughs> My you, pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> you are a Swedish musician and producer and you play in a lot of really cool projects with also Otis Sansu. Yes. And uh, Susanna Sonfur and I've played all of their music on previous episodes. I'm a big fan and you have your own project Goma Saxo. Do you care to elaborate on introducing yourself in your world? Sure. I guess who are you? So, so, yeah, who am I? I like that uh, introduction. Your introduction or your your idea of, of what I am uh, is that I'm a musician and a producer. So I, I mean, I, no, exactly. Yeah. Very good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, we touched on that subject before mm-hmm. about identity, yes. but yeah. So, so in my own humble words uh, and description of myself, I, I I can only add that I'm a I'm a curious person trying to find new ways to work with my own stuff, but also trying to find new collaborators yeah. uh, all the time, and yeah trying not to stay in the same place for too long mm-hmm. but also i mean I'm, i mean i have long-standing collaborations as well so that's also important and collaborations that happened because you were friends first or first collaborators and then friends or no yeah, friends at all that's uh, <laughs> i think all those things all those uh, situations happen and i think I, i mean it's also i don't i'm not even sure i would even be able to tell the difference from mm. i mean with some people i don't remember if, if it started as a friendship and mm. then turned into a musical collaboration or if it was the other way around but yeah collaborations that's definitely a a, a biggie that's a biggie. that's an important one This is kind of like asking a parent, like, who's your favorite child? But if you had to pick a project that's your favorite, <laughs> which project would you pick? Yeah, ranking the projects, that's, that's, that's pretty difficult. They give me different things. They kind of like satisfy some different needs I have. Mm. So Koma Saxo is like, that's, that's one energy. and Yeah. So it's like it's, it's. I think the different projects they have different energies that that I react with and that are important to me. I think it's it, it's often more down to the individuals. And so so someone like I mean you already men- mentioned Otis Sancho. He's really important because he's he's kind of like he's existing in in 
so many different things I'm doing and I'm in, existing in in his world and his project which is a very collaborative effort as well the Y Otis project but also being with him in these different bands it's also a way to kind of like get to know him on different levels mm -hmm. because he's bringing these different energies I mean he's always himself and there's no doubt that he's the one playing the saxophone in all of these different projects but it's still they are so different if you would compare them so so i said my my favorite child is is otis <laughs> <laughs> i can i can't say that because he's a, he's a bit younger than me oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> how long have you two been working together i met him in copenhagen actually that's where it always happens exactly <laughs> that's where it all begins uh but we didn't work much uh that year i think that that would have been like 2009 or something but that's mm. that's when we met and then uh, subsequently we both different times moved to berlin mm -hmm. and started playing different people around here and then in berlin this is where we kind of like developed our friendship and our mm. our musical collaboration to be more specific i think The Y Otis project dates back to, yeah, I mean, I think it's eight, nine years old now. But I mean, it, but it took, I mean, that started like as an acoustic outfit. Uh, and then it was, was later on we introduced the more kind of like electronic approach to the whole yeah. thing. Sneaked so, in there. Yeah, exactly. What brought you to Berlin from Sweden? Or what's your um, trajectory been like? I moved to uh, to a small place outside Malmo called Skurup when I was 18 to study jazz. And uh, I mean, most of the weekends were spent in uh, in Malmo, but uh, occasionally we would just, or I would just take that, just go a little bit further, and yeah. then that would take me to Copenhagen. Yeah. So that was that was wild and uh, exciting. Eventually, I, I um, applied to the. RMC, yeah, and moved to Copenhagen. That would have been when I was, yeah, nineteen twenty, and that kind of opened up a whole, whole oh, new world of possibilities. Yeah. <laughs> did you do your bachelor's in RMC? I did my bachelor and my master's. Oh, wow. okay. Yeah, we were the first year when they changed the structure to three plus mm. two. It was very loose, especially the master was very, very, very uh, kind of like first, first trial ah. uh, type of years. Okay, you were the lab rats. Exactly. The yeah. Okay. I mean, also the lab rats that maybe didn't get that much attention. I mean, so oh. which was, I mean, it was in a good way because it's like no one really cared about okay. what we, if we did anything really. So oh. I mean, that was so that was that was fun, and I started during those two years. I started traveling to Berlin a lot, also spending time away from the school and from yeah. Berlin and all of that. I think that that was just, it was a few different connections to Berlin. Uh, Lucia Kadoc and Johanna Borschat, they were both studying here in Berlin and they both did uh, exchange years in Copenhagen. So I met them, I started a band with them and a drummer called Mark Lohr, who is from Luxembourg. He studied in Den Haag and then moved to Copenhagen uh, and we started playing a lot together. And then he uh, moved to Berlin. And also Johanna and Lucia, they also moved back. So I had that, that band continued. So that was like a, a way of uh, staying in touch with them, but also mm -hmm. being able, because I was the only one left in Copenhagen. So yeah. it was naturally, naturally I started hanging out here quite a lot and started meeting a lot of musicians down here. Does and that band still exist? No, no, okay. it doesn't. No, I think that's... That's mm. I think we stopped like in 2012 or something. Mm. Uh, so that's a long time ago. But it was also this thing. I also remember hearing a, a band called Hyperactive 
kid in Copenhagen at the Christiansandsby Bohus. And that's a band, a band that doesn't exist any longer, <laughs> but it consisted of uh, Christian Lillinger, Philip Gropper and uh, a guitarist called uh, Ronnie Graupe. And I remember seeing this concert in Copenhagen and I was like, I don't know, it was probably said something in the in the leaflet. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, the presentation text probably said something like, this is the energy of Berlin or... <laughs> Or something, something slightly corny like that. Uh-huh. But but that really, you know, struck a kind of like, oh wow, oh, they're doing some doing, doing some crazy shit in Berlin. <laughs> I need to check that out. <laughs> so that was also part of of the draw. To, yeah. Uh, so so you started hanging out here, mm-hmm. and then uh, got offered, you know, a place for like three months or something, and and then gradually. Yeah, exactly. Kept okay. my place in Copenhagen for quite some time. But then, nice. yeah, just like a prophecy. Slowly. One day, Petter will come. Yeah, exactly. One I day. mean, I do. I mean, actually, the first time, first time I went to Berlin, I remember just walking, walking around. I was mm-hmm. just like, ah, oh, this this place does have an energy. It's like I just, I liked mm-hmm. it instantly. Um, Berlin and Copenhagen are very different, I think, in musical energy. Yeah, I don't know. Can you tell me more about that? But maybe I have <laughs> like a, a distorted image because I've spent the first year in Copenhagen when it was in lockdown. And yeah, I yeah. have a very RMC centered view. And <laughs> yeah, well, now that I'm here in Berlin, I got thrown into an unknown pool and it's, it's just a matter of going to to venues and clubs and and it's not school related it's totally different yeah i was i was talking to uh, um to a friend yesterday and he's he's in like he's going to a lot of concerts mm-hmm. so this lockdown year in berlin where nothing happened he mm-hmm. was like yeah that was really tough on him and he's not a musician so he's like he has the overview he has to cl- complete overviews <laughs> like what was happening everywhere yeah. and he's just like it's completely it's too much it's like i have seven options every night uh, overload yeah totally yeah. total overload <laughs> like so i guess it's maybe it's an energy right now it's like everything is just coming back to mm-hmm. t- to some sort of normality but maybe it's even even more than before i don't know there's something <laughs> weird happening like the air has changed everywhere <laughs> post corona times yeah just stay a little bit in that corona theme mm-hmm. um when the pandemic hit and when the lockdown happened how is that time for you as a musician here mm. well i think it was uh, the initial phase was was just like this okay just realizing and accepting that okay the tours the tours are off for, for the foreseeable yeah. future but i mean and at the same time i guess everyone was like weirdly optimistic about like oh it's going to be back soon yeah, and yeah. all that so i guess in that weird state of like that hope was still there at the very <laughs> beginning but at the same time you had like all this time freedom for me it was like in such a nice creative energy that i could be in the same place in yeah. this very studio yeah it was my playground for for a couple of months to mm-hmm. begin with and I, then i realized that it's like okay this is just continuing so i better make the most of it while it lasts so for me yeah. it was for me it was a very positive Experience. thing yeah creatively it was very positive it's it's still kind of like i mean it's it was definitely a spotlight on how i was living my life previously and mm-hmm. and it's like so it was that thing of like gauging what what what's important to me and how i want to you know live in music and i think the shock of it all it really happens now because now i'm back on the road and i'm realizing that it's just like okay for me i mean mean, and that's very i mean i'm unfortunate in that sense it was like it was easy to pick up the the thread like and and just 
keep doing what I was doing before the yeah. lockdown because at least now this fall the, the gigs are there and I mean it's a patchwork of, of things that got cancelled before and some new things mm. and kind of lost overview but all I know is that it's, it's, it's all consuming and this my time in the studio is, is all of a sudden limited mm-hmm. to, to very few days and I mean I know it's, it's like it's October, November it's going to be hectic I mean, I'll come back to this, and I, I mean, I also missed being on the road for sure. And mm. I mean, seeing seeing uh, f- friends and your fans. Pe- well, my fans, yeah, 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 sure. <laughs> <laughs> but does that also mean that you were that you're now playing old and new projects at the same time when you're on the road? Yeah, yeah, in a way, there are a few kind of like leftover gigs from mm. old projects yeah. that I'm also like. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, I <laughs> find myself kind of like, like, shit, I have this gig next week. And I was like, wow, I haven't played that material in a really long time. So you have to study up. Yeah, totally. Uh-oh. Yeah, it's a lot of shedding <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> but yeah, so, so so this, I think that it's it's a bit like next year, hopefully I can... I can plan it a little better. That's that's what I'm hoping for. But so so, so all in all, it's been it's been uh, yeah. I can't, it's like a double-edged sword because yeah, yeah. it's it's that sweet taste of just being here all the yeah. time. It's that was amazing. And then it's just it's just about finding that balance. Just gonna go back to the the touring part. If you could name three characteristics that one should need to survive tour life, <laughs> what would they be? Um. Wow. Maybe some that you see in yourself, or maybe not. From my position, it's it's easy to say. It's like one thing is just like surround yourself by with people that that you really like, and that mm-hmm. where, where there's not like a struggle emotionally uh, with the people you surround yourself with. Uh, but that's that's easier said than done, especially if you're doing a lot of side kind of like musician work. I mean, and I also did that. I mean, I, I've been playing a lot of pickup gigs, you know, where yeah. it's like. Or pick up tours, even you know, where it's just like you're just being called by by someone who's putting together a band, playing this person's music, and you don't really. I mean, it's impossible to say if this is it's gonna be like, a, you know. It's also, I mean, you have to protect yourself, and again, that's easier said than done. I mean, you're you're so vulnerable when you when you're on tour, and you mm-hmm. you don't have like if you don't have that safe line, which you know you're feeling that you're in a safe place yeah. with the people you're touring with and then, yeah. then then like s- certain situations might escalate quicker than they would have if you were surrounded by people that you were you know felt safe with mm-hmm. so so that's i think that is that is something that is really important but it's it's mm-hmm. hard to find that and i mean we we've all heard stories about like bands and tours that and it's just like this there's this horrible vibe because yeah, it's like the, the per, yeah all the, the, the mm-hmm. dynamics in the band and and i mean i'm 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 not an angel <laughs> <laughs> so i can i know i can be difficult to work with as well and i mean so it's like it's not that everyone is there to to please me i mean i need to do my work yeah, in order to kind of like create that mm-hmm. nice at, uh, sphere as well and I'm and that's something I'm working with and I mean it's like I got critiqued uh, you know in certain situations and I'm happy that people but that's also again that's working with people that could tell me that and I could take that in and mm-hmm. it's like and we can continue working because we're we're trying to to create a, a nice situation for yeah. for everyone so so it's like that that wholesome kind of w- approach and way of thinking about music it's like mm-hmm. on tour and in the studio 
anywhere and try to to kind of like create an atmosphere that is is uh, yeah i think that is that's one of the characteristics yeah <laughs> that's a big one <laughs> that's a big yes. one yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and an, and a really important one but also to kind of like also um to see yourself where you fit into the i mean now i'm doing a lot of projects that are collaborative but, but there's always someone taking the lead in terms of like all the practicalities like taking mm-hmm. care of logistics all of that yeah, you need that, I guess, or your your head would explode with all yeah. the practicalities. But I mean, as it's like with my own band, uh, I mean, then then it's me. Yeah, yeah. Dealing with everything mm-hmm. and to to stay sane in that, and then that that that's really that's really difficult. Mm-hmm. But but um, yeah, it's it's hard to say what the what the key to <laughs> to success is, <laughs> is in in terms of obvious yeah. like dealing with all the different logistical mm-hmm. issues but that's another big one that is just like just so important to to take care of that in yeah. is there even a third one because those are two <laughs> two big ones already have fun mm. drink responsibly <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah yeah yes <laughs> danish and confused i have so many questions that i want to yeah. ask you and i I'm are we, are we doing good time. so far? We're doing great. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> okay, I want to dive into the past. Who was your first music teacher and did he or she have a big impact on your life or your music? Uh, I mean, I would have to cite my parents to mm. to to a certain degree. I mean, they're both musicians, even though... Uh, I mean, it's a long time. My mom, she was a professional musician in the seventies, and then then she took another, she, she, another like other things happened, and she she wanted to try other things. Uh, and my dad, he he also played a lot of instruments and always lived with music, mm-hmm. uh, although he, he was never working professionally in that sense. But but just them being musicians, being kind of always they they bought a lot of instruments yeah. and so there were it was always music around yeah you grew up in a musical house then. yeah so that's the first that's the first lesson <laughs> is is like sharing sharing music yeah. listening to music even though even though you're not uh, practicing it oh, like yeah. actually performing it so i think that was like and i remember as a kid, I, I, I loved music from an early age, and it's like all kinds of stuff. And I had my I had my faces like okay, mm-hmm. now it's punk, now it's hip hop, now it's ska, now it's uh, yeah, wow. all, all all these different things. Just trying, you know, sampling yep. everything. I mean, not actually sampling on the, that oh, was okay, later. Okay. That was later. We <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> shouldn't talk too much about that illegal business. Um, but uh, so. It, that I, that was just a concept that yeah I'm I love music but I'm not cut out to be a musician and this mm. would have been when I was like maybe eight or nine this you were like, already having those yeah, existential so questions like, yeah it's like I'm gonna be you know it's like well, you know music's gonna be part of my life but I'll be a lawyer instead <laughs> <laughs> maybe I wasn't that concept I, w- I wasn't that <laughs> far ahead in what <laughs> but then uh, eventually. I, I just started playing, toying around with the instruments mm-hmm. at home. And then I have to cite my neighbor as my second teacher. Again, not as a, someone who really taught me like things about how to play music, but just someone who introduced me to a lot of music. Yeah. And this was especially like, and he introduced me to a lot of hip hop stuff. And I was really, he was six years older. So I was really this annoying 
neighbor kid that just came to his door, you know, or like to his family's door and mm-hmm. just knocked and asked Hello. like, is Joel at home? It's like, yeah, he's down in his room. Maybe or like, yeah, I'll see if he if he has time, his, his mom <laughs> would say skeptical. or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> And then, yeah, he, he let me ha- hang out with him a lot. And he would just play me. He made me small mixtapes of, of the stuff that he bought and or heard on the radio. Mm-hmm. And, you know, wrote like in the, with this kind of like graffiti type yeah. letters. He wrote the names of everything. And it's like, so that had a huge impact and yeah. kind of like started this uh, interest in in. Because I I could really like he was really finding stuff that was yeah. a, that was a you know him discovering new things and then you know passing it on to people and just having yeah. that sharing in that way that kind of like that had a profound impact on yeah. on on me for I sure. I guess that's what music should just always be about. Yeah, that curiosity and that capacity to share it with other people in a very selfless way. Exactly. Mm. Yeah, totally. I think so too. And I mean, I mean, this is and that's an ongoing ongoing kind of quest. I mean, I do that with Otis. We share playlists where yeah. we kind of like we add songs, and it's always fun to you know mm-hmm. put that playlist playlist on on shuffle. And there's like it's tons of new stuff that I would never come across, but it's about. And then you have then you share this kind of like oh yeah, you know that song that you that you added to the playlist last week. It's like that's insane. It's yeah. like yeah, we should do something. You know, we should. It's also part of of our kind of like it's creating this kind of like uh, pool of references yeah. that 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 we can just like yeah like having the same references mm-hmm. and also I mean but building that as you go along and kind of like growing with that together in a way but then like more specifically as someone who actually taught, you. taught me yeah. some some stuff that was someone called Ingvar Andersson he was a guitarist mm-hmm. and he was um, living in. In uh, in the small town I'm from called Lysekil on the, the Swedish place with west the oysters. coast. Exactly, good oysters, good oysters. Uh, <laughs> so that was probably when I because then I had I started picking up like uh, I started picking I started playing the guitar. Basically, the easiest thing that that I could like play along to was like finding the the bass bass notes. So I was basically on the guitar playing, playing bass. the bass notes and i mean i also played some other stuff on the guitar but but that's where i started just getting into music started playing yeah. along to records and then um i guess it was again my like my parents had that idea they knew ingvar and they knew he was playing jazz and i had at that time started just fooling around on the double bass mm-hmm. which we also had at home yeah they bought they bought a double bass in the 70s they bought it for you oh no 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 because my mom played double bass <laughs> yeah. she was touring playing double bass wow. and uh, accordion and other things she was kind of like in this singer songwriter folky mm-hmm. so it's like just everyone playing a lot of different instruments cool parents <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're great so so they uh, they kind of introduced me to ingvar and then we started i mean he was a guitarist so he mm-hmm. but he could talk he, he taught me some bass lines but he, he, he couldn't really teach me i mean he didn't have the technique on the double bass so yeah. but just finding find you know learning about chords and like the whole harmonic thing mm-hmm. that was really important yeah. and at the same time i was like i was playing with him and seeing him playing guitar so i got a lot of like guitar things from him as yeah. well just by playing with him okay. so we played in duo a lot of the time and uh, i mean he was much older so this was when i was 14 15 or something like that but i think that's the best way to learn when you're that young you just sort of if you play together with someone that's older and more advanced than mm. you 
instead of someone telling you, oh, you have to learn this, this yeah, piece yeah, now. Yeah. yeah. Like just being thrown into the whole world yeah, exactly. of music instead of following yeah. orders. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, that was my first, uh, like really starting to play jazz with someone. You never played classical? No. No. Did no. you ever have the, have the urge to? No, not really. Okay. Yeah, don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, so so that was that, that that those are important kind of like people. Yeah, the yeah. foundations. Yeah. I I hear a lot of stuff about Sweden and I don't know what's myths and legends and truth. I know that there's a lot of great producers being being produced in Sweden. <laughs> and of course there's I I can't disassociate it from ABBA. <laughs> um but what's what's the musical deal in Sweden? What's the landscape like? There? Um I mean for me it's a funny funny one because uh, so so basically I mo- I mean I moved to Copenhagen when I was 19 or let's say 20. So it's, it's I mean it's coming up to almost I've been back to Sweden. I mean, kind of living there, but not not really for a long time. Not mm-hmm. a, not not long enough to kind of like really get back into it. Because when I was back in Sweden, I was already kind of like touring internationally. So I would mm-hmm. that would just be another base, kind of like. But I would go to other places in Europe during that time. So so you can, in a way you can say that I I lived half my life outside of Sweden already. I mean, not exactly, but more or less. And especially like my adult life has been like outside of Sweden. Yeah. So I think my my whole my whole idea, my my perception of Sweden is like it's skewered because it's kind of like I have my own weird nostalgia trip about Sweden that is not correct. And yeah. it's based on myths and <laughs> legends that I believe in. And I don't okay. even know if they're true or, or, okay. or not. But but having said that, I think I, I've been reconnecting. I've always kind of like follow what was going on in Sweden. Mm-hmm. And I've been really into a lot of music coming out of Sweden, but it's almost been like, for me being introduced to something, it hasn't been important to begin with, yeah. if it's from Sweden or not. And it's like, and then finding out, it's just like, oh yeah, yeah, right. you know, okay, yeah, yeah, <laughs> now there's something in the water. Uh, <laughs> but uh, now working with, uh, in Koma Saxo, I'm working with uh, Jonas Kullhammar, who's he's one of the saxo- saxophonists. And he's one of these characters in Stockholm that is, it's very, it's like he's he's really has a foot in 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 the jazz world, but also in the pop world. He he's he's been playing on on so many records as a mm-hmm. horn player. Uh, so he's like really he has connections to everyone, and it's really fun to hang out with him and you know getting his stories. Yeah. He's he's not that much older than me, but he's just started his own label when he was 19. That's been going for more than 20 years and Wow. That's yeah, really impressive. Yeah, I mean, he created like this whole new thing in Sweden, mm-hmm. like starting this independent label, doing it really well. It's like all the pop and rock critics critics they wrote about this new, you know, young jazz scene in Stockholm back like when it happened like really like around 2000 yeah. and he was part of that and it got like bigged up massively mm. also you know giving him a lot of opportunities to play with a lot of the pop artists and really i mean you can sit in a bar with him and it's like i don't know if you know the band amazon no 
Ja. You know the company Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> this is more like Amazon. Okay. Uh, with, but it's with an S. I'll, I'll, I'll play you a track later. So he's not playing on that specific song, but he's just like, oh, it's like, that's me. And there's some sax yeah. solo in this uh, pop track. And it's like, yeah. So And it's like, that happens all the time. So he's, he's really like doing that whole thing mm -hmm. and then doing kind of like really out there jazz on the other side. And I mean, he's really a, an amazing person in, in the music scene in Sweden. And he also, he's, he's one of these examples that really inspired me as well, yeah. to not make the divides, to not be like jazz people mm. over here and pop people over yeah. there, hip hop people like over there. Kitchenholing. Exactly. I mean, that exists everywhere. But mm -hmm. I think, I mean, looking at Sweden uh, and also a place like Norway, I feel like it's a lot of intermingling between genres yeah. and between projects. And those divides are not, as strong as in other places maybe without saying that they are strong in other places because uh, i wouldn't really i wouldn't necessarily know i mean i know berlin and i it's like i don't have those connections here i mean i don't yeah. i know a lot of so-called pop people <laughs> in sweden and, and norway the I word did. that mustn't be said <laughs> <laughs> so no but that's an interest i think that's an interesting one uh it might seem like a trivial thing but but to me it's like people like him it's just yeah it's just so important yeah uh how did we oh it was just sweden sweden <laughs> and and like uh, yeah exactly this music scene and yeah because i just i feel like there's um god you're getting some long answers on on i uh, know uh, but it's great <laughs> we're diving deep today that's that's nice since we made the uh, the bridge to music let's talk a little bit about music and some of the tunes that you selected mm. today oh yeah so yeah if you would do the honor of picking one uh so so i say a song and then and then i pause and we listen to it and then we talk a little bit about it about if it. you want to give an introduction first and then yeah, okay so, you know, <laughs> the introduction might be long <laughs> okay <laughs> no well, I, I'll, i'll try and we see see what what, what uh think like what, a what it brings danish and confused I have three songs on, on, it's not like of my own, but like that I'm... A part of. Yeah, well, it's kind, sort of, of. kind of, I mean, I, I did co-write at least all okay. of them. Yeah, yeah. but great. <laughs> okay, I mean, I, I'd start with just something that we talked about at the beginning mm -hmm. about like uh, what's important. I don't, I don't, I can't remember in what context we, I mentioned it, but it was mm -hmm. like just the collaborations. I mean, that's another thing that is really important to me is that it's, it's never like... It's never a one person's kind of like creation. I mean, sometimes it's of for practical reasons. It's just like it's going to mm -hmm. be like this artist or, or whatever. I totally understand that. But it's more I think it's more it starts much earlier than that. It's like how if you feel part of something or if you feel part of giving and take like there's that there's an exchange, basically. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's it's always it's it's so much kind of like I don't take credit for, or I'm trying to give credit to the input of of uh, different people. If I ask them to play my music, or if I ask them to kind of like collaborate on something, if we're doing it as a kind of like co-write or whatever it is. Yeah. So, so in that sense, it's like everything I do is so much about like you know coming up with an idea for something, mm -hmm. but then that idea is always like it's always negotiable because it's like whoever is interpreting or, or like 
playing, singing, whatever my idea or my music is going to bring so much new information. Exactly, which always kind of like so you have that kind of a metabolism. It's kind of yeah. like a it's feedback loop. Exactly. <laughs> so it's constantly cha changing and also not like having that part of the process always that this is like this is starting point and then it's going to change to something completely different. Mm -hmm. And I love that that process. That's where I want to stay forever. And that's also what like, I mean, I had so many of those moments last year during during the first months of lockdown as well. So so I'd like to focus on a, on a like a, of the songs that I'm involved with. Yeah, I would like to focus on that kind of like the, the collaborative kind of effort in yeah. in creating music and what that brings to the table. And I mean, it's like more s specifics about the tunes. I mean, we can talk about that or not. So it's like the, the first track that I'd like to uh, show you. Yeah, all <laughs> is this track from my new album called mm -hmm. Project Drums mm -hmm. that came out came out at the beginning of uh, September 2021. Uh, and this is the first track of that album. Uh, the album is, is like, it's featuring different drummers, mm -hmm. a new drummer for each track. Mm -hmm. And the first track on the album is a, call, a track called Lorimer, uh, and it's featuring a drummer called Savannah Harris. I've heard about her. Yeah, she lives in New York. She's amazing. She is playing in the trumpeters, Peter Evans' new band, and she's been playing with tons of other stuff. And, and this is also another like important thing, is this thing of like just traveling somewhere and then meeting people. I mean, so Peter Evans that I mentioned, he introduced me to Savannah. I had heard her uh, on a couple of previous trips to New York, but I mean that was that was like there was no we didn't hang out at that point. So I was in New York in the summer of 2019, uh, and then uh, did a bunch of recordings. And I spent one day with Savannah at this Chold Street studio in in Williamsburg, and the other street kind of like going past is Lorimer Street, and that's that's why it's called Lorimer. Uh, so it's very site specific, yeah. and all the track titles of of that album of mine is, is site specific. Oh, just so we can track you down where you've been. Exactly. Or mm -hmm. where they have been because oh, some yeah. of the some of the tracks were done remotely as yeah. well. Uh, mm -hmm. but this is one of the tracks that was actually done with with m at least me being in the same room. There are yeah. other musicians on the track as well. But the the feature is uh, is with Savannah Harris. So that's Lorimer. <laughs>
We're back. We're back. Uh, yeah. Wow. I'm a bit flabbergasted. That's uh, <laughs> that's an amazing track. Thank you. And I have so many questions about your writing process now, actually. Yeah. So if we can go into that direction and dive a little bit deeper. Like, how does a track like this come to be? What's your writing process or your compositional process? So uh, just to begin with, I, I basically always sit and create small, small, tiny loops of small rhythmical ideas. And I often practice them with the double bass. That's my kind of practice routine. Okay. Just playing along to one on one rhythmical kind of like idea. And that is often contains like some some kind of like morphing that I can morph between mm -hmm. a few different layers. So I can use this kind of like you can call it a reference rhythm or a clave and you can use that. So so for, for, for this specific track, it's basically two tracks put together. I recorded a bunch of stuff with Savannah mm -hmm. that day, that hot summer's day back in 2019. And uh, then in the end, when I was just sitting editing uh, stuff that she recorded, the stuff I did, some some things that I was also recording live at that time, mm -hmm. you know, it's just finding out what, what the structures could be, then, then yeah. I was finding I found small kind of like skeletons of of passages, uh, some of them being pretty. So like the whole first stretch of of the song is in one kind of like that's one that's one structure uh, going between two different two different things. So that's that's pretty much like a live take. And then I had been toying around with like when with some kind of brass synthesizer mm -hmm. just to kind of like create some other element in there. And that's that's how that kind of like idea about having the trombones came into place. Like, uh, you know, maybe I should, you know, I've done a lot of these brassy synths and stuff. I'm going to have some real trombones on this one. So that was just like, yeah. you know, and then it's just about making notes and kind of like, OK, I remember doing that so this is still in 2019 so this would have been in the fall at some point uh because it's like it just takes time as well so i have these recordings on a couple of different ideas and it's like okay don't not sure exactly sure what i'm gonna do with it and let's and then it's just that thing of like letting it letting it sit and then coming back to it and it's like that given day is just that's gonna bring something i mean if yeah. had i opened it a day earlier or a day later it's like it would have been it would have been something else. Yeah. Not saying that it's like I'm just grabbing something, you know, out of the thin air and just yeah. like, uh, it's, like a genius. Yeah, not a genius. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, just kind of like, I mean, probably some of those brass stuff is just me sitting on on a train uh, with some shitty software synth and just like, you know, having that limited thing of the actual the keyboard, keyboard of the yeah. laptop and just mm -hmm. like, yeah, you know, Toying it's like, around. oh, that sounds, that's pretty, that's kind of close voicing there yeah. with that trombone sound. That sounds cool. It's like, let's write that down. Yeah. And then I got Johannes Lauer in, a Berlin-based trombonist, and mm -hmm. uh, he, I tort tortured him for, for, uh, for some hours where he created this kind of like uh, trombone quintet of himself. Okay. Uh, oh, wow, he duplicated himself. Yeah, exactly. So that's, that's all him playing wow. those different it sounds super fat <laughs> yeah it's amazing it's that was really fun and mm -hmm. it's really fun to kind of like also starting to kind of like process that and yep. also i mean it's kind of like giving this giving some support with some of my synthesizers as at well mm -hmm. at kind of like certain places yep. so then i the, the first section started to take form and then then it's, the next step is again kind of like coming back to it and then realizing it's like oh i'm just gonna write some I'm going to write some melodies on top of this 
and I've been having a flute phase. So, uh, <laughs> so my my kind of like to go to uh, sound flute. is uh, well, that was at yeah. that time it was flute at least. Okay. So then the next step was I was do I was on tour and I had a stop in Stockholm and I had a day off and then I I did a session at Jonas Kullhammer's place. So it was him and Partexas Johansson, another amazing readist from from Sweden. So uh, so I, I did that. It was called the Stockholm Flute Session. Generated a lot of material for a lot of tunes. Also, there's a track called Tremendos by Wyotis. Yeah. Yes. So the flutes, the flute loop on that stems from the same session as oh, really? this track. Yeah. So it's the same, same guys playing the flute, and uh, it's the same from the same recording. Okay. Uh, so you basically just do one recording, and then you kind of just mine that for different ideas. No, no. So, so well, I had, I had the specific. So I had the melody. So I had the oh, okay. charts for for this song yes. for the whole tune. Uh, all the different parts uh, w- that was ready at that point. Mm-hmm. And those charts come from demos that you make in Ableton? Or? Exactly. Okay. So so that is more like, you know, they record that and then doing like some improvised stuff. Yes. So that is like mining from the improvised stuff, yeah. definitely. But the same thing with, with Tremon Dust because I was I was producing Otis's album at the time uh, mm-hmm. and Otis had brought this kind of flute sounding thing as well. Mm-hmm. And that's what we recorded to in the studio this yeah. loop uh, at the beginning of Tremendous. And then that was just replacing that, basically, and adding a few more bits. Uh, and then I recorded, they recorded for uh, a couple of more tracks on, on, on my album. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so that was a very fruitful... Uh, fruitful. Uh, fruitful. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, that it's happens. good. <laughs> Put that sample in. Yeah, I will. Yeah, okay. Um... <laughs> So that's that's how that's so it's like a long process of of finding yeah. and just trying things out like a playground just yeah I mean often pretty kind of like naive uh, small yeah. simple things yeah uh, okay I feel like I'm uh, like you're giving away all your secrets now <laughs> but um, yeah let's see if there's any listeners out there who's, who's gonna steal your ideas no but I mean that that's <laughs> uh, that's the other thing. I, I I think it's like that comes back to that thing we talked about sharing yeah. I think it's also. I think you can also share your. It's just good. More, more, more. Yeah, but more ideas in the yeah. world that just gonna create more good things. Aww. So yeah, <laughs> that's beautiful. <laughs> Danish and confused. Um, so the next one it's gonna be it's gonna be a premiere actually Ooh. because the actual this is from an album coming out in March next year and the, the first I don't know if this will be the first there will be like a digital single released in yep. December I don't know if this is gonna be this tune because the label ultimately decides that but uh, what label is that? it's we jazz we jazz a Helsinki based okay. uh, yeah and that's another important collaborator actually yeah. especially for the Coma Saxo project mm-hmm. it's uh, it's a label started by a, a guy called Martin Nevis okay. and he's been um, instrumental to 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 the kind of like creation of Coma Saxo because he's been there giving uh, full support from the beginning mm-hmm. and he's he's still supporting uh, all my ideas so Komasakso is this quintet, and on this new album coming out in March next year, I've added a singer uh, called Sofia Jarnberg. She's a vocalist from uh, Stockholm. She's doing a, a lot of improv stuff, jazz, a lot of classical stuff as well. Um, and I've known her since I was 
19 we've worked before but this is the first time we're really doing like a a record like that and yeah. of course this is my it's my music but it's like she's bringing she's bringing such a character that it's like that thing of um, recording this material I and then hearing her on top of it I mean we did we did this recording in April of this album actually and because just because you mentioned it we recorded in Stockholm mm -hmm. at the Atlantis studio and this is this is the studio where most of Abbas records were made wow. What a so, uh, so yeah. <laughs> so the ghost of Abba will be. The ghost of track. Abba is there on this track. <laughs> so this is, this is track is called Koma Caprifol. Is that Swedish? Yes, Caprifol oh. is a type of honeysuckle, and it's the it's kind of like the flower, the symbolic flower of uh, of uh, the region I'm from. Okay. So this is this is kind of like part of my weird nostalgia trip uh, for Sweden. Uh, this whole hat album is is kind of a weird homage to to where i grew up swedish lyrics as well basically mm. is saying that we need to find more honeysuckle uh, that comes at the end <laughs> this is also with jonas on flute but not mm. from that same session okay but still recorded in stockholm
I don't even know what, how, how to respond to that. That's, <laughs> I'm very glad that we got to premiere that one here, even though I've forgotten the name and I can't pronounce it. <laughs> What's it called? It's called Coma Caprifol. Caprifol. So, okay. yeah, so like cool. Capri and then mm-hmm. F-O-L. Caprifol. <laughs> I ah, guess. Nice. Caprifol. <laughs> Um, yeah, wow. Very, very nice texture and melody. And you make it, I don't know, you you do have this kind of uh, individual aesthetic that's really you, I find. Maybe it's the way you record things or like it has this type of, yeah, texture in the songs and this t- heaviness, but in the in the good sense. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it makes you want to do the bass face forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then the rhythms. Like, how do you come up with these rhythms? Yeah, not not sure. I mean, this is it's it's back to this. It is this kind of flute hook mm. loop at the yeah. beginning, and that kind of goes for the whole first section of the. So it's, it's, I guess that and that all started with actually fooling around with some percussion samples on the yeah. on the MPC. That's just the starting point, and then it's just like listening to that. And it was like that also went through a few different iterations of, in terms of like. Uh, that was I had this kind of thing in seven that was kind of close to that Mm -hmm. but then then I decided on just kind of like keeping it in four also getting Christian Lillinger to play like a pretty straight kind of like hip-hop inspired beat that's just I love hearing him doing that because it's that's so kind of like I mean it's not far from because that influence is definitely in his playing but for him to actually stick and just like actually play a groove yeah. like that for a long time it just that has a vibe the essence of the song is really is that kind of like little flute h- hook and then finding the harmonies around that yeah. and then and then adding again kind of like a pretty naive simple hooky melody on on top of that yeah yeah. That's all you need to do, folks. Yeah, that's, that's how you make a <laughs> composition like this. <laughs> Danish and confused. A Wyotis tune that came out. Well, I mean, it came out, I guess it was released earlier this year, like a seven inch, just two tracks. But I guess the vinyl didn't, it's just hasn't even reached Germany yet, I think. Oh. So, uh, so, uh, so this, is, this, this still feels fresh. And it's a tune called Scary, not like scary, but mm-hmm. scary, S-K-E-R-R-Y. Okay. And that basically means like a small island. It's even come, this is the English uh, word for it, but uh-huh. it comes from Norse. We say skär in Swedish, okay. so it actually has a Swedish connection. And we're both from the Swedish West Coast, and there yeah. are a lot of scaries out there in the kind of like archipelago, yeah. like lots of small islands, basically. So um, this track con- even contains like samples of like some, you know, some some of that sea, and then that kind of like yeah. vibe, and then mm. it features. Katrin Peshlov on the harp, and then Stan Nichols oh, on yes. uh, on the piano, and that's actually having him playing piano. He he released an amazing album mm-hmm. this year, solo piano album. So these recordings on this is it's that same piano. So this is also something that Otis and I we produced this track at the beginning of this year, still in like full lockdown and mm-hmm. spending a lot of time here at the yeah. studio. So this is just. This is just like um, this is what we come up with when we when we kind of like hang around here. Hang around here, yeah. yeah. Cool. So let's listen to "Scary" by Otis.
was Y Otis. Track is called Scary. It's featuring Katrin Peshlov, and then it's uh, on the harp. And she's also on my record on mm-hmm. one of the tracks there. Yeah. She's based here in Berlin. And then Stan Nichols, piano recorded with an iPhone in his is London home. A knife on. An iPhone. Oh, an iPhone. Okay, <laughs> recorded with a knife on. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, so that's uh, kind of big collage composition. Yeah, it's a lot of ideas in one, but they all really fit together. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I, for, for to me, it, it kind of like it's fun, and they all need to be there. It's also it's kind of like it's so much a, a kind of a document of what Otis and I. It's like because it's like it's it's long hours in here doing that and other things. Yeah. And going back and forth and just like throwing so many ideas on the table. Yeah. I think we just decided that it's like for once. I mean, it's like it's not like all his other our music is not dense and full of ideas. It's mm-hmm. it's more that this one also giving having a structure like that without any drums, really. So mm-hmm. it's just like this goes through different things. Yes. It's almost nice. like this this feel recording, this noise that is almost taking the role as, as, as some kind of weird, thick drum drumming uh, is being constant, constant. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's like, yeah, so so that's that's it sounds very um, warm. Every song that you've played until now sounds like very uh, upfront in the mix or something, or just I don't know—is it compression that does the trick to make it so crispy or so warm? What is it exactly? Yeah, I think I think compression is is definitely part of it, uh, but then it's also I mean, so like all the alto clarinets that he's playing, it's also finding that kind of like pretty close sound to yeah. begin with same thing when we recorded the harp so everything like the, the harp and the guitar and the alto clarinet they were all recorded in this room like yeah so, so okay. it's like it's very dry so you can really mm-hmm. and and then also yeah it's trying different trying to mic it up in different different ways just yeah. to kind of like get that the kind of like visceral close close feeling yeah. and then and then adding that kind of like super lo-fi recording I mean, the field recording, like this actual this fishing boat that you can hear. And it's like mm-hmm. you hear some seagulls very far in the distance, yeah. but it's just like very noisy. And then it's also a lot of noise coming from the piano recording and mm-hmm. this iPhone recording. And it's just like mixing those two worlds. I think that is also creating a certain atmosphere that, yeah, that I like. I think a lot of people like it. <laughs> <laughs> just to elaborate a little bit on that, do you think that gear defines the musician or that it has a maybe a big impact or influence on their style? Um, I, th- I think maybe, but I think it's more it's more about utilizing it in a way way where it's uh, where it suits your suits your needs. It's it's like I think I I learned that the hard way by I can't remember what what piece of gear that would have been, but just like being in some studio and then hear, hearing someone doing something on something and it's mm-hmm. just like sounding amazing. It's like oh, I need that. I need that. Yes. I need that thing uh, because it's more like a thing. It's like one thing when you see someone playing an instrument. And you're just like oh, if I just buy a guitar, I'm gonna I'm yeah, gonna be I'm gonna able to do like that. that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So I, think, I mean, it, but it, I think that's what you realize. It's a little bit the same. It's like a lot of the gear. I mean, even even though how you're using certain outboard effects, like yeah. like a compressor, for example, that will be so that that can still be such a you know subjective touch. How you kind of like mix that in or yeah. or and the use of it. And there are a lot of like you know you can 
watch all those YouTube videos and, and get the kind of like ob- objective, right yeah. kind of way of, of using something. But I think it's more it's more about always like using your ears with, with, with all of that. They're the best, uh, how do you call that, jury? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess it's how you, how you play the cards that you've been given. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Danish and Confused. Then I, I just put, just because because I thought about Amazon and it's just like oh. a song that I'm that I really love. Just listen to that. I yeah. mean, it's, it's it's not really much more to it than than it being a great song. I mean, really nice production and yeah. and kind of like. So it was from a Swedish band, right? Yeah, okay. exactly. Amazon, Amazon. Amazon. Yeah. And what's the song called? You don't have to call me right now. Okay, yeah. but That's what's the song called? Yeah, you don't have to call yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ripped by a thunder and struck 
to be organized and prepared or to leave inspiration up to the moment i mean i think it's the it's that fine it's about <laughs> finding that fine nice balance yeah. of of always like always walking if you want to give a lot of instructions to someone then you need to be really 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 clear and effective in giving those instructions mm-hmm. otherwise it's it's a uh, different kind of like you can give instructions but then leave a lot of things up to the to the to the person or the people to mm-hmm. to in in interpret interpret that kind of those instructions so it's like it's a it's it's i think it comes with your if your expectations on on a person is to, for this person to kind of like just come up with something amazing immediately then your kind of like instructions needs to match those expectations yeah i guess you gotta just give people the right kind of guideline yeah that allows them to maybe grow in the process yeah exactly danish and confused that is the end of this episode of danish and confused or german german and confused Thank you very much. My guest today was uh, Peter L. Um, Thank you. It was lovely being here. Yeah, great talk. And see you next time I'm in Germany. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you can listen to all the episodes of Danish and Confused on wearevarious.com, on Spotify or on any other podcast platform. See you next time. <laughs>